This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We've got a big show for you today talking about USC spring practice, which starts on Sunday. We've got to do a little preview, take a look at projecting who's going to be on the depth chart when we watch spring football over the next several weeks. We've got Chris Trevino in studio joining us to do all of that. We've got to talk about Pac-12 moving media day to Las Vegas, which is going to be a lot of fun. USC doing a little dodgeball in the offseason. Lots of stuff to get to you. If you have any questions or comments for the show, please drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app, please follow and leave us a five-star rating and review with comments, feedback, and suggestions for the show. We really appreciate you when you tune in. And let us know what you think, and especially when you share it with your friends and other people out there on the internet. We are uh, live on YouTube, youtube.com slash Inside Troy. You can check us out over there. Please like, please subscribe to the video. We appreciate that very much. And if you're listening anywhere else on the Parastel Podcast Network, thank you for doing that. We appreciate it. It's uh, We're over 1,600 episodes here on the Parastel Podcast. So we've been doing this. Uh, a little while, and we have a lot of fun with it. But wherever you're listening to the podcast, please like and subscribe. Tell a friend about it. Uh, it does help to grow the show, and we appreciate when you do all of that. But the mothership is uscfootball.com. That's where you got to go. Go sign up for a, a membership over there, VIP membership. We got spring ball starting. Lots of content coming up from uh, USC spring ball. The dead period ends tomorrow, so there'll be more recruiting stuff going on, visits and everything like that. So please get over there. Like everything, subscribe to everything, tell your friends about everything, and uh, we would we appreciate it very very much. If you have any questions or comments for the show, not as many emails lately because uh, you know being a little off season, but maybe with spring ball starting, we'll get some more. Podcast at uscfootball.com. We got a few for the show uh, this morning. We got uh, some voicemails too, or at least a voicemail for this show. We got one for the the uh, composite two star recruits podcast. They'll be coming up potentially this week. We'll see. We'll get an update from Chris. But if you want to leave us a voicemail for any of the shows, 424-254-9141 is the number. You can also send us a text there if you would rather do that. And uh, the Apple Podcasts, we do like to get the um, the reviews over there. I don't think we have any new reviews as of late. Oh, I, no, actually, we do have one new one. Okay. I haven't, I haven't read it, Chris. Oh, no. It is five stars, though. Okay. I appreciate that. Could be a trick. Maybe it's some. It's not going to be derogatory about you, I'm sure. Uh, best source for of info for USC football. Good start. I uh, appreciate that. If you're a diehard USC football fan, you absolutely must check out this podcast. It covers everything you could ever want to know about USC football from recruiting news, 
and player analysis to game breakdowns and conference updates. Ryan, Chris, Gerard, guests, and the rest of the staff are incredibly knowledgeable and provide insight, uh, insightful analysis that you won't find anywhere else. Very nice. I like that. Uh, but what really sets this podcast apart is how entertaining it is. Ryan and Chris have a great chemistry and keep things lively and engaging throughout. They're not afraid to interject humor and personality into their discussions, which makes the podcast a joy to listen to. Overall, this podcast is a must-listen for any USC football fan. It's informative, insightful, and most importantly, a lot of fun. That's what we try to do. Whether you're looking for up to, to stay up to date on the latest USC football news or just want to enjoy some great football banter, this podcast is the perfect choice. Highly recommend. That's Ladera Dude. Uh, Ladera Dude? Ladera Dude. Ladera Dude. So nice. Like, Thank you, Ladera Dude. We we kind of like the ones that are like making fun of us, but leave us five stars. I like that too. But those are really the nice. The wholesome that's, ones? Yeah. that's a, That was a very wholesome, like heartfelt, uh, very nice uh, podcast uh, review. So we appreciate that. Yeah. Ryan likes the ones that slam me in the end. Not that slam you. Just in general, you know. <laughs> just... I mean, I like to. I like self-deprecating. I want to be slammed. Uh, I like it. I like it all. Someone, someone cut that. Someone cut Ryan slammed. saying I want to be slammed and send me that. I want to be slammed. Uh, I'm kind of slammed right now. Like um, I got painters in my house. Do you ever oh. just decide like I got to paint the house? Like it's you're been a, it's painting been the years. inside of the house. The inside of the house. Yeah. Interesting. What color did you go with? Eggshell white. It's not eggshell white. It's uh, it's called rock candy. It's like a. It's a bright pink. No, it's uh, it's like a gray. It's it's. It's like a, you know, off-white kind of gray sort of thing. Um, most of the walls were kind of white before. I had some different ones. So this is, it just needed, it needs some fresh paint. So, so your entire house. Inside the house. So I've been in your house. So they're just like taking everything and putting it in the middle. Yeah, take stuff off the walls. I've done, like, have you painted, like, I've done a bunch of painting myself before. Never. Uh, my mom would come out. We paint, I mean, we, we have, I have a stairway with like a skylight so it's like really high up you have to get on a ladder like me and my mom up on this ladder like trying to paint up the corners but um i've decided now i'm going to hire someone to do this because i can do it it's just it's going to take me they right. can knock this out in like two three days or it would take me like probably a couple of weeks or something to do it all because i'm like you know i'm not the best at that I'll, I'll tape it all do all this stuff but um yeah and sometimes you just have to decide like i'm going to hire somebody to do this ryan you uh, seem like the kind of guy to have a paint party Ooh, that would be kind of fun. You know what those are? Yeah. Everyone brings a bottle of wine and you just paint the whole time. Yeah, I don't know if I trust my friends drunk to paint my house. Sure. You know, like that's this is kind of like I'm gonna leave this up to the professionals. Okay. But you know, but that those are how long is that gonna take? If you're gonna do the ones that people are gonna do like a renovation and they do like a demo sort of party where you're just like, hey, we're gonna be tearing down these walls, so just come in. And like they'll throw things against the wall, just kind of break stuff because it doesn't matter because they're like ripping it all up or tearing out the insides. I want to go to one of those. I don't think I've been to one of those before. So I think that would be fun. Well, yeah. Who doesn't love to break stuff? Yeah. Demo is fun. Like we did our bathrooms. I did the bathrooms like, I don't know, five, six years ago. And I was a big part of the demo, um, sledgehammering it up. But it creates a ton of mess and a ton of debris like just buckets and buckets and buckets of debris trying to get it out of the house it was kind of a pain i actually one of the most ingenious things i've done is uh it's like a basically it's like a three-floor house and the top floor is where the bathrooms are and like needed to get the, the debris down i bought these big cylinders at home depot i think they're for like setting cement for like a concrete pillar so i'm out of i don't know what they're for but 
and I duct taped a whole bunch of them together, like six of them together. I put the dumpster down the bottom. So running off my balcony, I had this, basically this huge tube. It was like a trash chute. Like you can rent those things, but I don't know, they were pretty expensive. So I made one and it was so cool to dump like the- Engineer, you know, baby. I was an engineer, but I dumped the bucket down the tube and all of the debris would go down into uh, into the the, the, the uh, trash bin. It was so cool. I was very excited about that. I don't know if I've been excited. I've been excited about a bunch of stuff, like when are the prices right or whatever, but that was one of the most exciting things when I got that thing to work. It was just like, oh, uh, could we have like 75 buckets, like five-gallon buckets full of debris from what, like one of the bathrooms. There's two bathrooms. So, yeah. But anyway, that's a long... And uh, that's been Ryan Abraham's DIY home improvement corner. I do like fixing stuff. Uh, I try to, you know, You're install. a former engineer. I, I get yeah, it. I try to do stuff. I'm not, my, my dad was terrible at the home fixing stuff. Like he couldn't change a light bulb. So I f- sort of had to learn everything on YouTube. I don't know. Are you like a handsy, like fix stuff person? Or? I try to be. I try yeah. to be, but I do go to YouTube University to uh, teach myself. YouTube some is stuff. great for that stuff. Um, yeah. Well, I want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. We promise we're going to get into uh, all of this stuff. Um, my, uh, Weekly Trader Joe's trip, um, I had to pick up some, so I, they, I had these um, ube, ube. ube pancakes um, mm-hmm. that, that I got there, and they're hard to find at Trader Joe's, but I needed to get maple syrup, so I went out and picked up some maple syrup, I needed to get some honey, just like a little quick trip to the, to the Trader Joe's thing, but I love just going in there and walking around and sort of figuring out um, what I need, or like, oh, I could use some of these, and I tend to get sweets a lot, which is just sort of my thing. Yeah. You know, the brookies, like, like, how can you not? Like, you want to get those things? Um, you know, different bottles of wine. I like trying stuff like that. Um, but, and I always go to, like, I always pick up some cheese. Uh, if you're going to, you want some people over, a little cheese plate, it's always good. Nice bottle of wine. So lots of cool stuff over at Trader Joe's. You guys know, jump in there. I always bring, I have the, uh, the USC specialty bags. So they always mention, like, you know, so we we've got those before. We've given them a whole bunch of away. So hopefully we'll, we haven't had any for a while. But you need to get some more. I'm going to try to get some more. Um, I don't know if it was just a manufacturing thing or what, but they are uh, they they don't sell the bags. They can only give them away because they're not licensed for like some of the USC stuffs on there. I think there's like a picture of like Junior Seau or whatever. But uh, yeah, I always bring those, and people usually make a comment about it, like, "Ooh, those are cool bags. Where'd you get them?" Uh, actually. I think it was yesterday I got out of Trader Joe's and I saw a, some lady was going in with one of the USC bags. So he noticed it right away. So it's kind of funny. Uh, but thank you again to Trader Joe's for being uh, great to us. You doing okay, Chris? Like things are good? Yeah. <laughs> we got to talk about some stuff. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, everyone's been cold the last couple of weeks. That's about it's it. It's cold and rainy. But I am excited for spring football. It's starting Sunday. Yep. So uh, shout out to our boy Dave Emmerich. Remember, we we did like a whole episode talking about his tweet about spring football, their their practice schedule and stuff. And he w- he wasn't right. He, well, <laughs> in his defense, he was only off by one day. His well, schedule had it starting the fourth. It's actually going to start the fifth. Right. So and he had so the first week is basically a little messed up. And I, I we had a little meeting with some people at USC. And we, they didn't get, this was last week, they didn't give us the spring schedule, but they basically told us that it was going to be a little bit different than what was tweeted out by Dave, who wasn't an official, you know, USC release or anything like that. Um, but we do know USC spring uh, football schedule now, and I'll, I'll kind of pull it up here um, and, and chat about it a little bit. But like Chris mentioned, we thought it was going to start on um, Saturday, 
March 4th. It'll actually be Sunday, March 5th. Now, this is the week before USC spring pra- I mean, uh, spring break. Um, and they're going to do a Tuesday-Wednesday practice, March 7th and March 8th. The only one that will be open for us in the media to do uh, interviews or watch uh, the, the early part of practice, the stretching, which we're allowed to film, uh, will be the March 8th one. So it'll be a weird – we haven't had a Wednesday spring practice in quite a while, but we'll be able to go to practice on Wednesday. Then they get a break, and it's almost two weeks off, and they're going to start back again uh, March 21st. Then it'll be a regular Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule. So you get 15 practices. That first week is a little, you know, screwy going into spring football practice. I mean, into spring break for USC. Then it'll be a regular Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday for us. And the content, you you know, for content wise, we will be able to shoot video and photos. Uh, the before, you know, the beginning of practices on Tuesdays and Thursdays but not Saturday. So we won't see anything on Saturday, but Tuesday, Thursday, we will. So updates on... We'll have a Zoom call. Yeah, we will have a Zoom call on Saturday with Lincoln Riley. Uh, And we will get assistant coaches that we weren't able to get uh, during the season. So it's going to be... And we'll be able to talk to the players and everything. So all that stuff, we'll be able able to do a lot of interviews, which is great, and uh, talk to a lot of people, get assistant coaches. So that'll be fun. Uh, But the as far as like... Sights and sounds from practice and what we get to watch, that will only be the Tuesday, Thursdays. But, you know, they usually, we usually get to watch like a defensive kind of team drill where they all line up in their position and they kind of run for, they get all, you know, they're doing the fast feet and then they run to a corner. And Chris is usually just kind of over that like a hawk to see who's on the first team, who's on the second team. And that's been pretty accurate, right? Like what you've seen there. For the most part, there's yeah. been a couple curveballs, but for the most part, it's a pretty decent approximation of who's working with the first team. But it does change like in the season when they would do that, and then they would go to, on the days we would get to see the scout offense versus the defense, it would look a little bit different. But it is a decent approximation of you know, who's working where and what unit. Yeah, so we'll be able to tell you kind of what we see uh, over there, and um, which will be good. Uh, and then, you know, just anything we can observe, uh, you know, who's out there practicing, what, who, how guys look. We can't rec- like comment on injuries and things like that. So there's limitations of what we can do. But uh, we will be able to get you some more info on, um, you know, what, uh, you know, what the, the, the team is doing out there in spring football. So I'm just excited we do get to talk to assistants. Yeah. Because that was something we were missing during the season. And, you know, it, it'll just be nice to talk to Josh Henson about his offensive line, what they did last year and development of guys and the new guys that they have coming in, you know, get to ask about Jarrett Kingston, Michael Tarquin and Jonah Monheim, who has really developed a lot and just Justin Dietrich and all those things or, you know, talk to Roy Manning about his really stacked position group this year with, you know, they have like six people that could start at that position. So it's just going to be nice to be able to get pick the brains of the assistant uh, coaches once again. Yeah, that'll definitely be uh, good. And I'm excited, you know, and we're, we're going to talk about some of the off-season workouts. I got some videos and stuff. Uh, they played some dodgeball. We'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. So, you know, but just to see them out in uniform, see all the new players. Uh, again, it's going to be a bunch of transfers, uh, a bunch of early enrollees that we're excited to see. So, just seeing some new people and, you know, Chris is doing a great job getting there early. 
watching everyone come out of the tunnel and you can tell you like, Hey, how big does Tackett Curtis look in his cleats and, and USC Jersey or, um, you know, how's it, you know, anything, all the guys coming in, um, you know, Anthony Lucas, like, what does he look like compared to some of the other guys on the team? And, and so we're excited for all of that. And hopefully you guys are too, but it's been a, you know, it, it feels like it's gone fast, but you get spring football done and then it's kind of a long summer until you kind of get things going. But the good thing is USC does start a little bit early. So you get a little, you know, we'll get it a little earlier with a week zero game. Uh, but very excited for, uh, for some spring football stuff. And, you know, Chris did a projected depth chart for the offense and defense, which we're going to uh, talk about in a little bit, but I have a video, Chris of um, USC's like they did like an off season workout. USC football tweeted it out. I'm going to play this one for everybody and you can watch that. And then we're going to talk about some dodgeball stuff. So here, check this one out. So the uh, theme is jobs, not finished. That's what they play at the end. That was like a 42nd video. Um, but Quick clicks, quick edits, and uh, one of the benefits of being a subscriber to uscfootball.com is uh, some of the stuff we put in the VIP area, the premium area, and Chris does this uh, over on the parasol on the premium message board. He goes through these videos like fine-tooth comb and finds little notes, and uh, you put one up recently, Chris, and it was really cool, just uh, some of the insight you're able to, gl- you know, to glean from some of these quick videos that they're putting out on social media, but you can see it's cold and it's rainy. But I love some of the observations uh, that you were putting up there on those videos. Yeah, I noticed that Benny Wiley had just posted like a winter recap, just a collection of all the videos that he's posted uh, on his Instagram. And it was like 11 minutes. So I was like, I'll just watch this and just do a, <laughs> a we call it a CSI Parastyle. It started in the quarantine era where, you know, USC would post these videos and we would these little 20 second, 30 second snippets. And we would just study them, me, Keely and shotgun. And we would just like study in the background, like who's doing this, who's working where. And, and so that, that's kind of where it started. So just a little CSI peristyle uh, edition. And yeah, just watched all 11 minutes and just threw out some, like you could call them ghost notes, digital ghost notes and stuff. And I, I think I did some about the roster that's not updated, but kind of is updated uh, that should be coming out at the end of the week, uh, the spring prospectus and updated stuff. So be on the lookout for that uh, over the weekend. But yeah, just like getting ready for, you know, got to gotta warm up the, the the ghost note brain yeah. a little bit uh, for, for, for spring. The ghost notes are fun. If you guys aren't familiar, um, it's an homage to uh, McKay's Ghosts, who, you know, longtime Parastyle poster, who used to, when the practices were open, used to post uh, his ghost notes um, on the peristyle about what he saw at practice. And we were able to watch practice then, so we would have our analysis. And this was more from a fan's perspective, and it was a really popular feature. And then one, once the fans were blocked out, uh, Dan Weber kind of um, created that and kept that going. And we've been doing the ghost notes thing ever since. And it's fun. Like I have a good time doing it Like when Chris is out of town or he, he's got something going on. And I get to do the ghost notes. It, it does make me pay attention more. I'm like, oh, I got to get some good nuggets for the ghost notes and stuff. So it's a fun little feature. I think it's, it's been really popular. So if you're not a VIP member over at uscfootball.com, you should, because the ghost notes are really worth it just on their own. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, especially Chris doing the going through that 11-minute video and just finding out like, oh, what's Tackett Curtis doing here? Oh, um, who's Shane Lee working with over there? Like there's a lot of cool stuff. So make sure you go. 
check it out. I put a few photos up there and hope you guys enjoyed that video. But one of the fun things that they did recently was uh, dodgeball. We get to yeah. play dodgeball. They would play some dodgeball. Um, Justin Dietrich, like, fully got into it with uh, – cut off shirt and the headband and everything. He looked like he was in the dodgeball movie. Um, it looked like it was fun. And I, I have a quick, I'll, I have a video we can kind of put up there too. So let me put this up there for you guys. Are we allowed to talk over this? Uh, we can, that's the video's playing, but <laughs> you can talk. Well, you can do whatever you want. There's Lincoln Look Riley. at Lincoln Riley slinging that pill. <laughs> There's another shot where he's like, you know, he's not like, like he's getting after it. Justin Dietrich, that was like the, the, the key move there. Benny Wiley's like, what's up? Yeah, look at that. That arm. I have a good arm. I would be more like, but I think you want to catch, you know, like I think the it's good to play defense in dodgeball. You catch it. My thing is like the first person we saw, Sean Nua. It's like Sean Nua is such a big target. He is not built <laughs> For this game. No offense, Sean knew it. You're just not built for this game, you know? No. Pretty cool. But that looked fun. Uh, growing up in uh, in a winter place on the East Coast, like you get snowball fights were a pretty big thing. So you get you get into that, but you still have dodgeball. The the cool move, and I think you could have tried to use this in the dodgeball is the you get the two snowballs, or you could get the two balls, and you throw one really high, and then oh. the person's looking up, and you give it a, you know, you just sling one in there. It works really well. That's a bold strategy. It's, it works. It works good. Um, but yeah, that looked like a lot of fun. And uh, I don't know if Dietrich. I think Dietrich had the most fun of anybody. You, you had a pretty good tweet with him that I think some of the USC people really enjoyed. Yeah, just his as you saw in the clip. You know, the spin move, <laughs> jump, jump, spin, a wind up for that throw. I mean. Just the athleticism, you know. Show that on his uh, his combine uh, clips when they uh, you know look at him for the draft profile uh, next season. So, yeah, that's your team captain right there going all out. But I just want to do a little fun exercise, and we each draft our own. What is it? Five man? We'll do five man. Five man? Or is it six? We'll do five, and then you'll get a sixth bench player. Um, so I'll let you go first. So this is for dodgeball. Dodgeball, yes. We're so gonna, you're building the best dodgeball team you think possible. I'll let you go first. Okay, the Who's current, the first current roster. Yeah, the current roster. You got to give a little explanation as to why. I'm going to go. This might be, I mean, who knows what's the best strategy here. I'm going to go Makai Lemon. Interesting. Okay. So why? He's not the biggest dude. So target-wise, hard to hit. Obviously, he's quick. It's hard to hit that way. I'm thinking more defense. And he's a receiver. He can catch the ball. So you could throw it near him, but if he catches it, you're out. So I'm going with Makai Lemon. He might not have the strongest arm in the world, but I'm saying, you know, I don't know. Maybe he does. But he's really athletic. I think he can avoid, but he can also catch. So hard to hit. It's kind of a guy in the little, with the little strike zone. I think he's going to have a small strike zone. Like, where can you hit him? Because if you get anywhere high, he's probably going to catch it. Like, you got to kind of hit him in a foot or something. So I'm going with Lemon with my first pick. Okay, that's a, that's a fair pick. But <laughs> you're going defense. I'm going offense. I'm taking Caleb Williams for obvious reasons. Six foot one, almost built like a linebacker, athletic. And obviously, I got a Heisman winning arm to 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 rifle in some, rifle in some balls and uh, get some people out. So Caleb Williams, that's my number one pick. 
I like it. Um, I think I'm gonna go. This will be another weird one, just for just for fun. I'm gonna go Romello Height. He, he's like a first dude off the bus guy. <laughs> he looks like he could sling that ball like super hard. Like I just feel like he could just throw it through somebody. Um, now he's big, so you know it's, it's, there's kind of more to hit. But he's someone I want out there. He might be like the pawn. He might be my first line of defense. Like you look at that guy, you're like we got to play against this dude. So this is more like a visual intimidation kind of thing. I'm going to go Romello. You're going all the strats here. You're just going to get it. I'm going to take Justin Dietrich with my second mm-hmm. pick. I got yeah. two ultra competitive guys on my team already. Caleb Williams and Justin Dietrich. Justin, we know, has the athleticism and the fiery personality to really get into this game. And, you know, you might be thinking offensive lineman, but Justin Dietrich, good athlete, could have been a really high level uh uh, soccer keeper if he stayed playing soccer so he's got some hands you know to stop those balls so i'm going with justin dita as my second pick yeah big target though he's gonna be out early so not bigger yeah. than romello height <laughs> he's bigger he's got more to hit i think um since you since you you got your quarterback i'm gonna go miller moss uh we want we want a gunslinger back there he can throw it he's athletic too so he can kind of avoid, you know, what's going on there. But I feel like you, you know, you got your front line. I might have Romello Height up there in front, but behind him will be our sniper, Miller Moss coming in, just sniping guys. Okay, now so. I see the strat coming into play. <laughs> I think you need another big guy. McCallum is not that big behind right. Romello Height. So maybe another one. But my third pick, I'm gonna go Relique Brown. Good luck hitting Relique Brown. Also really good hands, because we know he can catch out of the backfield, super shifty, super quick. So I'm going with a small target that's going to frustrate uh, your team trying to hit him. So Malik Brown is my third pick. I like that. I like Malik. I was thinking about him, but you know, already having um, you know going branch early. Uh, this is a dude that I just feel like, you know, like Justin Dietrich looked good in his you know cut off and with the the headband. I'm gonna go. With Bryson Shaw, I think he looks like okay. he could be in that movie. You know, I feel like yeah. he would just be. He would just figure out what you need to do to win a dodgeball game. I just feel like, and you know, he's got the accent. I just, I love what he's going to bring to the table. Like he's just going to be this gutsy, do it all. Like he can, he'll, he'll get you out. He'll run and get the ball if it's in the middle and, and avoid. Yeah, I just feel like kind he's of a glue be, guy. He's a dodgeball dude. I just think he's going to be a dodgeball player. He's so. also a former lacrosse player, high end lacrosse Unbelievable. player. So, so yeah. just really good uh, movement out there, lateral movement and stuff. So that's a good pick. I think I'm going to go next pick. Hear me out. Jamil Muhammad, uh, oh. one of the transfers, linebacker, edge player, six foot two, big guy, also former quarterback. So I'm pulling another guy with an arm out mm-hmm. there. And yeah, just a guy with a defensive edge mentality, that aggression. So yeah, I'm going with Jamil Muhammad, really good athlete, really strong. So I got two quarterbacks, one former on this team. You want to. I think you missed the boat here. You want to do the the defensive guy, the competitive athlete that used to be quarterback. What about like a Taka Curtis? He's going to be my last pick going in here. Technically got your last pick. You still got the sixth off the bench, but yes. Okay. Uh, your starter, your last starter. He's my last starter. Taka Curtis. Look, if he was still on the board, I was taking him. I'm just letting <laughs> you know. But you, you got him. Yeah. I mean, athlete. He played quarterback too. I mean, you've seen what he can do athletically. Everyone's excited about him. If you're like... If you're picking guys that'd be on your team, like if you looked at him, like yeah, 
I think I'd be okay with him on my team. So I'm going Taka Curtis. Okay. My last starter, I'm going Kalen Bullock, secondary player. Uh-huh. Good field vision, can see everything happening. Let the team in interceptions. One of the top uh, interception leaders in the country. So he's got hands, was an athlete out of high school, could have played wide receiver at the next level. Maybe doesn't have the strongest arm in terms of uh, throwing that ball out there, but that's okay. I still got two quarterbacks out there. So I want another pair of hands. So I'm going with Kalen Bullock as my last, an All-American out there. So who's your last kind of flex player you can kind of sub in at times if you need her? Coming off the bench, I think I'm going small again. I was thinking kind of a bigger receiver guy, but I think I'm going to go Max Williams, who just oh, interesting. brings a lot to the table. Just He's a dude that loves football. I can see a guy, he could love dodgeball. And I feel he would just get out there and just do some stuff. He'd run around. I, I feel like he'd be the, the guy off the bench. You're kind of jack of all trades. What do you need? Do you need to go get that ball up there? Do you need to go? Do you need to get in the back and catch this one? You got to play defense. Is it three on one, and you have to like fight your way out of a, a hole here and try to win the game for us? I feel like that's what he could do. Not that my team would be three and one because we'd be destroying people <laughs> three on one. Yeah, I'm gonna go Max Williams, my last pick. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go similar kind of position. I'm gonna go also with a nickel. I'm gonna go with Jalen Smith just because I want a lot ah. of athletes. On this team, Jalen, good hands, super athlete, can leap out of the building. Uh, I like that ability for a dodgeball team, you know, maybe get the rebound, bounce off. Just a guy, quick twitch, so I'm going with Jalen Smith off the bench. Chat, let us know who you think has the better team uh, of these two. Who would win? I think it's my team, obviously. Kayla Williams, Justin Dietrich, Relik Brown, Jamil Muhammad, uh, Jalen Smith off the bench, and oh, what's my last pick? Who was my last pick? I'm blanking. Jalen Smith. Oh, um, oh, uh, Kalen Bullock. Kalen Bullock. Yeah. There you okay. go. Okay, that's my team. Ryan's team of Miller Moss, R- Romello Height, um, uh, Zachariah Branch. Zachariah Branch. No, you, did you pick Zach Branch? M- Malik Makai Lemon. No, I picked Zach Branch. When? I thought I picked Branch. You picked. Uh, did I pick Lemon? You picked Lemon. Did you mean Branch? I meant Branch. Did okay. I, did, did I really say? Th- <laughs> Makai Lemon? I thought you said Makai Lemon. Oh, my, my mistake. I was going Zachariah Branch. That was the, okay. the point of that. Um, but yeah. I swore I'm, he said Lemon. Oh, I'm, But people will let me know if that's... I might have got it wrong. You know, we say a lot of words. Uh, so I had Max Williams off the bench, Taka Curtis. Now I'm like... And, uh, uh, Zach Branch, Romello Hyde, Miller Moss. And I think that's six. Zach Branch. Okay. Yeah. Um that was good. But yeah, so we did a little draft. Uh, Ted says Ryan's dodgeball team for the win. Nice. Probably Ted. only because you have Tackett Curtis and he's the. Tackett Curtis is, you know, he brings a lot. He brings. He's already this. goaded. Hasn't played a snap and is already goaded. Uh, Romello Heights, the interesting one. How does he do? You know, uh, we will see. Okay. Let's see. Oh, one other thing I want to mention on spring football practice is the spring game will be on April 15th. So it's going to end spring football. It will be at noon at the Coliseum. Tickets are, they haven't announced what the tickets are going to be yet. So we will find out what's going on there. They also haven't given us a spring football prospectus or roster yet. So we don't know some of the people. My scholarship charts kind of come down a little bit. I have USC sitting at 88 scholarship players. 
A um, couple guys, uh, you know, we had learned they're not going to be on the roster. One we put in the war room a couple weeks ago. And then John Jackson III announced that he was going into the transfer portal. Um, so, yeah. So there's a couple guys gone. So I have it at 88. When the prospectus comes out, it might not be until Saturday with practice on Sunday. Uh, we'll go through it as soon as it comes out. And we'll kind of figure out, okay, this guy's gone. We didn't expect to be gone. So there might be a, a player or two that we were expecting to come for spring football that won't be there. And we'll let you guys know about that. Otherwise, it might just be some guys transfer out after spring football when the, the transfer portal window opens again, which will be on uh, April 15th, I believe, is the day it opens again. So um, it was supposed to open up uh, May 1st, but they moved it up a couple weeks. So um, bless you, Christian oh. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. As of right now, I expect uh, three guys that were on last year's roster to not be on the roster, just based on some internet sleuthing Okay. Of the back end of the roster that's up there currently, uh, I expect three guys to to that were on the roster last year that have that have eligibility to play this year and did not enter the portal to be to be have processed and you know will still be in school. I think. So the, does that include the person that I mentioned in the war room a couple yeah. weeks ago? Yes, okay. that includes that. Okay, so one of the yeah. So there might be a couple more of those. Which would get USC close to the 85 number. Um, I know people ask a lot, but basically it's every summer. I think it's July 1st or August 1st. Uh, the roster rolls over. You're it's a headcount sport. You have to be you're once you're on scholarship for the this the year, you're on scholarship for the entire year. But they have to get it down um to 85 uh when it rolls over sometime this summer. So um we'll uh, keep you update on what's going on. Uh, with all of that, the and I, I, did I mention this? The NCAA dead period ends tomorrow, March first. So you will be able to have recruits visiting campus again. That's good because spring football is happening. So we always are out there, and you would see prospects. Some are just you know a whole high school team will come. They might not have Division one players, let alone USC players, and they just kind of come out and check it out. Uh, but there's a lot of USC targets. Um, you know, guys with offers, things like that, to end up checking out spring practice. And, um, yeah, it's kind of fun. So, you're, But, yeah, the dead period is open. Is, there's a lot of stuff going to be happening, Chris, now with the dead period opening up again? Yeah, there's already, you know, kids that have committed to taking spring visits to USC. Some have set those for April. Uh, USC is hosting a local 2024 defensive back this weekend. I'm sure there's a lot more guys who are going to be up there this weekend on Saturday and then on Sunday for the first day of spring camp. So expect a lot of, of players that that recruiting staff is going to be busy. I expect a lot of local people and a lot of, a lot of people from out of state coming in and coming out to uh USC practices this, this, uh, this spring. Yeah, for sure. And uh, this summer we're going to do traditionally, we've gone to uh pac 12 media day sometime in July, late July in Los Angeles. And they've had a different, Hollywood venues, and they were really trying to focus on this Hollywood stuff, entertainment stuff. Well, it's now moving to Las Vegas. So we will get one before USC leaves the Conference of Champions. We'll get one time to go to Vegas for Pac-12 Media Day. So that will be on July 21st. Do you think they did that for you uh, as I a love, goodbye? I love it. I love that they're doing it. Hopefully they do like a golf outing or something. They got to do some something kind of fun. Um, we don't have any other details from that. 
I, I got a text or something. I think Chris maybe sent a text that, you know, when we were the spring practice schedule was released and you said, oh, and uh, Pac-12 Media Day in Vegas. And I looked at like the Pac-12 official account. They didn't tweet anything on it. I looked at like Wilner's account. He didn't tweet anything about it. There was a couple of reporters that said, hey, the Pac-12 just announced this. And I think Canzano tweeted up before it saying his source told him they're going to move it to Vegas. But it wasn't, I didn't see an official like announcement. Did you, you know, I looked on the Pac-12 webpage, didn't have anything about it. So apparently they announced it, but it was sort of like this low, maybe just key. sent an email to a couple of people or something. I don't know, but I'm excited. I love going to Vegas. So, um, you know, for one day traveling for media day, uh, we'll probably see less people. We would always see extra people covering USC and UCLA because you're already in the city. So we might see less people that are like covering USC and UCLA going to Vegas, but uh, I'll be there for sure because um, I love going to Vegas. But um, yeah, I'm curious to see what they do and if they have any other sort of events around it because they didn't really do anything for Pac-12 Media Day. It's been usually one day. They've had a couple two-day ones in the past, but it's been a while since they've done that. One day and it's just the meetings or whatever, you know, the you know hearing from the coaches and that's been about it. There hasn't been like a a dinner or anything like go along with like there's lunch that's served at the hotel or whatever. And that's it. So I'm curious to see what, if they put any kind of entertainment aspect around this, since a lot of people be traveling. Potentially the final Pac-12 meeting day ever. Yeah. I mean, I guess we can talk about that too. We've, we've, we've sort of talked about it like the last two. We have. And I like, I get a lot of questions like I like John Wilner and John Canzano a lot and they do a good Pac-12 podcast. I mean, not as good as the podcast of champions, but they, they do a good job. Sure. They're, they're reporters. They're, they're Pac-12 reporters, you know, talking about things. But if you hear them, like there's, there's just not a lot of talk of there. This could be the demise of the Pac-12. Um, and it's, you're hearing that from all these other people and, Dennis Dodd put a story up on CBS this morning, uh, you know, part of our CBS network. He talked to guys like Mike Bellotti, Rick Neuheisel. Um, there was a couple others. Oh, uh, Dennis Erickson, Rich Rodriguez, um, former Pac-12 coaches. And they were all like, and, you know, Bellotti's like on the alumni thing. You know, he's a big part of the Pac-12 still. And they're all saying like, this could be bad. Like this could be the end of the Pac-12. And, you know, you're hearing that and you hear someone from like the Big 12 country says that like, oh, you're just, you know, they're just being a homer for Big 12 interest and, in, in, you know, trying to steal away some of the Pac-12 schools. But it's just everything that's happening. It just doesn't look like George Klyovkov is going to be able to pull a rabbit out of his hat and get a great TV rights deal. And that's a problem because then these schools aren't going to be happy and you could fracture. So you're hearing a lot of rumors about what could be happening here. And, you know, I'd love to see the PAC 12 or PAC 10 or whatever ends up being stay together, but you're right, Chris, like this might be the last one, like last one, not just because USC and Israel are leaving, but because it just crumbles after this. So I hope that doesn't happen, but I don't know. There's, there's, there's no, is there definitely a non, you know, a, a non zero chance that the PAC 12 doesn't exist after USC and UCLA leave. Got to get that eye on network money, baby. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> That was funny too. Uh, so Brett McMurphy for the Action Network tweeted that out that he's hearing that Apple didn't announce it or hasn't offered an official deal because um, the Pac-12 needs to do streaming. What the reports were saying that Amazon only wanted like the game of the week. They didn't want like all of the inventory. 
Apple, if you're a soccer fan, recently bought the MLS um, rights. They have all of it. And from what I've read, I haven't watched the game on it, but what I read, like the production has been good. Like people have liked how these games were presented. Um, so they got a bigger, you know, MLS got a bigger deal than what they had before, but it's all on Apple. And Brett McMurphy said Apple hasn't offered something like that for the Pac-12 yet. And there's a risk taking that too, right? Because you're going all streaming and no college, you know, Power 5 program has done that yet. But there's the potential to kind of do that. But then he also said the Ion Network, which I don't even know what that is, but it's apparently like they run a lot of reruns and they're trying to get into sports. He had tweeted that there was some interest there, or there was it was something. It didn't say it was happening. He just said that there was talks. And Stu Mandel said like this is bullshit. Basically, this is bull. Um, and they kind of got back and forth on Twitter a little bit. But I heard McMurphy talk on I think it was a solid verbal. He was talking about it. He's like, all I'm saying is this is what I'm hearing. He's like, I'd rather be second to a story a hundred times than be wrong once. So I trust what he's saying that there was at least some talk about this and why wouldn't you, I mean, you got to talk to anybody. There's just not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of competition out there. And that's the problem for the PAC 12. There's no bidding war going on because Fox is out and CBS is out and NBC is out. So ESPN is like, Hey, we want some night games and, but we're not going to overpay. And like, if Amazon is like, hey, we'd like a game of the week, but we're not going to like overpay or Apple's not offering. There's, there's just no other. You you have to have other bidders if you want to get people to like kind of fight over your rights. And there just doesn't seem to be enough bidders. So something like Ion maybe is involved and maybe they have a tier three thing or so. I don't know. But yeah, that caused like a little bit of a Twitter storm, Chris. Do you have Apple? I have an iPhone, so I might. I don't. I don't ever watch it. Like I want to watch like Ted Lasso, but I've never. But I don't. Know, do you get do you get it automatically with an iPhone or probably not? I don't no. think so. Yeah. Um, like I have Verizon, so I get like uh, Disney, so I can get like um, you know Disney like whatever Disney Plus. Uh, but I don't think I have Apple TV. Do you have that yeah, Apple TV? I do. Okay. But my specific TV doesn't is old enough where it can't get the Apple app on it which is weird so if i want to watch apple i have to pull it up on my computer and then hook my computer up to my computer so it's a big thing but a big hassle but i do have apple so if they did go to pac-12 did go to apple i'd be able to watch that more so than i did with the with the pac-12 network which is showing the spring game which i think maybe usc purposely did that so more people would show up to the game because no one would be able to watch it uh yeah Wait, so the Pac-12 is showing USC spring game? Yeah. Okay. That's what it says on their thing. Okay. That's been doing that. Uh, Ted Barber says that I did say um, Makai Lemon. So my apologies. I was looking at, on my little chart, I had them both next to each other. My intent was to, I'll take either one of them. I'll take the, the five-star wide receiver guy. But the intent was to uh, draft Branch. Just I was watching him on some of those videos, like some of the workout videos, and just his stop start. And it was just like, yeah. I think he can do a lot. So, um, interesting. Okay, let's uh, let's move on. We got to talk about the potential depth chart. I guess you could say. Well, before what we get into that, oh, you get since that? I, I I did want to talk about this, I don't know if I sent this in the text, but I did want to get to this since we're talking about conferences. But just with USC moving to the Big Ten, CBS recently did an article on the scheduling for the Big Ten 
2024 and what that could look like with USC and UCLA and quote unquote permanent rivals that each school would have. So there'll be 16 teams. Obviously, you want to make it fair enough where everyone kind of plays each other over a certain period of time. And Tom Fornelli, who works for uh, CBS Sports, uh, wrote an article just about outlining what he thinks everyone's quote unquote permanent rival yes. should be using the 366 scheduling matchup. So you have nine conference games. So three of those games will be, be teams you play every year. Those will be your, your, your rivals for, for, uh, uh, every season. And then you'll play six other opponents one year and then you'll rotate to the other six the, the next season and keep like, so a 366. So his, uh, projections for USC were one UCLA duh keep that rivalry going victory bell all that Northwestern and Michigan State and one of the reasons for Michigan State is basically if the Spartans and the Trojans aren't playing each other for what he calls the Trojan horse cup like what are they doing you know yeah it it just seems like an easy rivalry game to do an easy uh, rivalry cup trophy to do every season so those were his uh three rivals for usc for their three and then you kind of rotate uh those other six other 12 excuse me every every year uh but he also mentioned that usc would have to play ohio state or michigan at least one of them yeah. in those six probably wouldn't want to do both in one year so it would be you know ohio state one year and then michigan the next year so what do you feel about those permanent rivals? Yeah, and, uh, John in Oakland wrote in uh, about that and put some of the quotes and stuff in there about you know where you know Tom Fernelli kind of projected those to be. Um, like you said, UCLA, Michigan State, and uh, Northwestern. We talked about this a little bit. And I, I've, it's funny. I've heard a lot of different podcasts. Like this has become a big topic now. Like projecting what the Big Ten schedule is going to be. And I think the same thing with the SEC. They're trying to figure out. What the SEC is going to do with now you have uh, Texas and Oklahoma joining, but I think the the three six six thing makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that's kind of what you want to do. You have to be paired up with UCLA because that's the local team, and as long as there's no more expansion and you don't have West Coast partners, like if a Washington or Oregon were there, like that would make things a little bit easier. Um, but and I, I get where Tom's coming from, and I've heard a lot of other podcasts kind of project, um, but you know. I, I think the most sense I heard was when I listened to like Andy Staples and they were, they were talking about projecting this out. He said, if you're not, so Fernelli said, if you're not putting USC and Michigan together, what do you, what do you even do this? Michigan state, Michigan state. Um, the reason you did this is because the big 10 signed the $75 million TV deal per school or whatever it is. Right. Like that's why you signed it. And they signed that to get games like USC and Ohio state. I don't see a way that USC and Ohio State are not connected. Um, I know they could play, you know, somewhat often, but I think that you have to at least start off with USC and Ohio State. Um, Ohio State recently canceled their West Coast trip to Washington for 2024. I mean, I'd be willing to bet that part of that is because Ohio State's going to be playing in the Coliseum in 2024. I, I don't see how you don't do this. The whole point, like you make the most money 
you know, that Northwestern Rutgers game doesn't matter all that much as far as like how much money it makes. It's good if you get a decent rating, but the, the games that get like four or five, six million plus viewers are where it's like, that's where you're hanging your hat on. And the Big Ten's got a lot of them. Well, USC and Ohio State's instant, you know, and Ohio State can get those a lot, but you're talking about now it's not just like it just barely made $4 million. This could be like a $10 million. Like this could be a big one. And I think you would want to have that going on. I don't think you play Ohio State and Michigan in the same you know year all the time, but I think I think USC is going to be paired with Ohio State, and I think UCLA is going to be paired with Michigan, and I think that mm-hmm. makes the most sense. Um, and then outside of that, who are you going to pair? You know, which team are you going to? You know, you can do whatever at, at that point. But I feel like you got to get the the two big marquee names playing each other uh, often. And I know that people are like, "Well, you're going to miss the playoff." I mean, there could be three or four Big Ten teams make the playoff. Like, you can lose the USC-Ohio State game and still make the playoff, whoever it is, um, because you're going to have an expanded playoff at this point. But that's – if you're – I'm not a big basketball guy, but you're looking at the uh, the Big 12 in basketball, and some people are projecting all of those schools to make it into the tournament. So even those teams that are, like, t- towards the bottom and that have, like, a little over 500 record, because the league is so strong – like all these teams are going to make it. And I feel like it's going to be the same thing. You're going to have this really strong league. And if USC lost to Ohio state in week four and they go on and end up 10 and two, um, they're probably still going to, you know, have a good chance of making the playoffs because it's expanded and they, they played a lot of other good teams and they beat them. They just didn't beat Ohio state and the same thing. It's not like you play those teams together and that's going to eliminate one of them in the playoff. Like that's not the way it's going to be anymore. You play those teams together and they get a huge rating and you're, you know, it's just, that's why Fox and all these, you know, ESPN, that's what they want. Uh, They want Texas to play Alabama. Like they don't want to avoid that. They want, we added Texas to Oklahoma. Like let's get Oklahoma LSU. Let's get Texas, Alabama. Let's get USC, Ohio state. Let's get UCLA, Michigan. Like that's why you brought these teams in. So for anyone that's saying, maybe I'm wrong, but I will, whatever I'm going to say to the, so I see something else that USC and Ohio State will be playing. Any thoughts, Chris? You had me at USC Ohio State Coliseum. You had me there. <laughs> That's all you had to say. Think about that. Night game, five o'clock. Is that too late? No, that's that's fine for the the Midwest. Yeah. And also, you know, use it as a recruiting tool. You know, just just from our perspective as, you know, the composite two star recruits. The crazy amount of recruits that would be at this game. I think you're right, but we'll have to see. There's still a lot of time where they still have to figure all this out. Yeah, and I'll and I'll and I'll I'll give you your props if you project it that they cancel that trip because they're coming to the Coliseum in 2024. I'm just that's just my guess, you know. And that could be um, a brutal schedule. I mean, because I mean, if they still play that LSU game in Las Vegas to kick off the season, yeah, you'll have Notre Dame. You'll have Ohio, Ohio State, State coming to town, possibly. That's going to be a brutal uh, opening season. I feel like my gut is that there's going to be, like, USC-Ohio State. There's going to be UCLA-Michigan. But then I think they're going to get a mix of, like, they'll get the Northwesterns and Illinois and Rutgers and stuff in there, too. Like, I don't think it's going to be too daunting of a first-year. Thank you for not saying Maryland. Sort of schedule. Maryland, uh-huh. you know, whatever. That, that's fine. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Uh, that you would love if they play Maryland right away, right? I mean, sure. That'd be great. Um, that, that's just my thought, and I've, I've, I've. It's weird. I've a lot of people have talked about this, and they've come up with different reasons of why. And I just, 
the main reason here why you're doing this is for TV money. And what does TV money want? They want USC and Ohio State to play. So I'm just going with that. Like, that's what I would say. Like, you can say, oh, Michigan State and the Trojan horse thing. I'm like, they'll play. But permanent rival, like, I don't know. And maybe it's UCLA, Ohio State, and Michigan State. Yeah, maybe it's like that. Maybe you could do that. Um, but the problem with, like, Michigan State, like, you know, they have Michigan. They have they, You have these – there's a lot of built-in rivals already. You know, like, it would be hard to play Iowa because what they play uh, – Minnesota – and Wisconsin, and you know, I don't know. And you got like Nebraska in there. I think Nebraska would be a good one. It's like I think Nebraska would be a good one too. Yeah. Two blue bloods. I think Nebraska, Ohio State, UCLA would be like that would be a great, like great pick. You got two, you got a blue blood that's not very good right now or trying to get better. And they just hired a really good coach and a, you know, a, an absolute juggernaut in Ohio State. That's a, that you can, you know, you, you play Ohio State every year and you're going to get a, Test the, you know, we saw Michigan just get beat down, beat down, beat down. What do they need to do to get better? What, and they did. And they got they got over the hump, you know, and they beat them the last two years. It's a good test, you know. Um, sometimes you can just say, hey, we beat Washington State this year. We look pretty good. It's like, that's not the kind of test that playing an Ohio State is. So you beat Ohio State and you're like, all right, I think we're, in, I think we're where we need to be. And uh, we're recruiting against Ohio State. Where do we need to be? I think that's a good measuring stick for Lincoln Riley and the program. What is the chat saying? A uh, whole bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, there's uh, people, USC, Notre Dame, Iowa. What are the outer conference games? No one's saying, like, you know, who they should play. Like, uh, Lynn says Northwestern, why? Yeah, I don't know why. Like, you get to go to Chicago, I guess, but. Um, They're both nerd schools. Yeah. Yeah, um, there's a. I mean, there's a lot of. It'll be interesting to see what happens, but expansion might not be over. So we're just looking at it as the 14 teams right now. Um, so we'll see. Right, we'll see what kind of what happens there. But yeah, thanks for that. And you know, put it put it in the chat who you want to see USC play. Uh, Roger says it's going to be Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and a weak team in a pod. There, so the pods aren't going to be. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that. Um, it's not like you have per. It's not going to be like a pod per se, right? It's like a they're thinking permanent rivals. So USC and UCLA will be permanent rivals, but UCLA and say USC has Ohio State and UCLA has Michigan. Like they're not in a pod per se. They just have three teams that you play every year, and then you. You go through. That's what the the thought process is, as opposed to like a pod. Now, if Washington and Oregon join, then maybe they'll be. They'd have sixteen teams, and you'd probably have a West Coast pod. So you would just have those those four teams on the West Coast are in a pod, and like what Roger said, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, whatever. Like, I think you could probably set it up that way. But with fourteen teams, I think it's more of a everyone plays three people every year and then you rotate the other ones so i think that's probably how it looks a lot of things to think about there is a lot um but my guess is usc ohio state like that's you know usc UCLA, obviously but usc ohio state i think is one that if if they don't play if they're not part of their permanent like connection i will be shocked so we'll see what happens there uh one last thing before we get into questions we got to talk about the depth chart, right, Chris? Mm-hmm. Um, you did a couple stories projecting uh, the volume one 
for 2023 depth chart projections, and this is heading into spring football, offense and defense, um, where you think guys are going to end up um, uh, depth chart wise. I know for quarterback, you thought Jake Jensen was going to start mm-hmm. this year, uh, overtaking. I wanted Caleb to go Williams. bold. Yeah, I wanted to yeah, go. Yeah, that's a I bold, go big bold prediction. Wake people I'm up. I'm going to go with Caleb Williams, but uh, if you, but um, yeah, do you want to just? Should we just go by position real quick? Or? Yeah, we can just. Uh, offense is pretty standard. Yeah, if you will. Obviously, we don't have to really talk about quarterback. Yeah, Caleb, Caleb Williams, Williams, Miller Moss, Malcolm Nelson's uh, not going to be playing because he's in the spring. Yeah, he's got to his, be clarify. Shoulder injury. Uh, running back, you got Austin Jones, senior, coming back. Yeah, I think this is kind of where the biggest people were talking about. Just, I went with Austin Jones. I think a lot of people are like, Marshawn Lloyd is going to be the starter. Marshawn Lloyd is going to be the starter. Hey, very well could be the starter. I just, I'm just going with what I've seen and what I know, and what I and Austin Jones coming back. You know, Austin Jones didn't come back to be backup again. He came back to be the number one. So. I'm going with him and kind of Marshawn Lloyd, Relique Brown, kind of a make up a, a, a second running back. You know, I think Relique Brown's still going to get carries. I think Lloyd's still going to get carries, but I, I would expect Austin Jones to be the number one. And then those, you know, those two freshmen are wild cards. I don't really know what to expect out of them. They're here early. It's easy for running backs to jump in quickly and get playing time early uh, from freshman to college. So we'll keep an eye on them. They're two different backs. You know, I really want to see what Amari Peterson looks like. Six foot two, 215 pounds, big, big guy. So I, I'm excited to see him up close in the spring. All right. Um, and then where are we going to go next? Tight end. I think you were going next. Tight, Tight end, end, you yeah. know, it's a little interesting. You know, whatever happens with Deuce Robinson, this position could look very different. In, when are we supposed to know? April 1st or something? Or? Yeah, he's, he's got that deadline for himself for, for April. So we'll, we'll know more. But I still think it's Lake McCree. Uh, spot to lose at this point, you know. There's, I got a picture of him off-season workout. There you go. The he didn't get a spring last year. Remember, I think that hurt some of his uh, yeah. chemistry development with Caleb Williams. So I think we'll see a little bit. We'll see that grow a little bit more in uh, in this spring camp. So excited to see what Lake can do uh, this year. You know, Malcolm Epps back. I think he'll still be you know part of that you know blocking rotation, and we'll see what Jude Wolf does when he gets back from his injury. So you know, decent. Three hit, three headed, three headed uh, unit right there. Will we'll, Kate Eldridge will come in the summer? He could be an X factor too. Yeah, his, his competition level wasn't super high where he's coming from in Washington, so we'll see what the jump is like for him. But I still think you have three solid veterans up top. Just you know, some injury issues have been with that position group. Wide receiver. I mean, it's like how do you name starters when a lot of dudes are going to play, but. Those first four guys or first three guys that are go out there, who, who are you thinking? Yeah, I just kind of went with the uh, the veterans in this case. You know, Dorian Singer, all Pac-12 guy, Brendan Rice, Mario Williams, and then Taj uh, Washington. You know, so much production returning between those guys, so much chemistry with uh, Caleb Williams. Then, But I still think Zach Branch is going to play a lot. I still think Makai Lemon's going to get snaps too. So those guys are kind of in that second rotation with Michael Jackson and uh, Kyron Hudson. So across the board, USC's really deep at eight deep, really deep with those eight guys. So and then you got Jacoby Lane coming in the in the fall. So different body type than anyone on the roster. So I still think he'll be able to get some some playing time here and there, but I'm not I'm not penciling him in to be part of the rotation, but we'll see 
what that looks like in the summer. But for now, I think that's, you know, your top eight guys. Yeah. I mean, for a guy like Brendan Rice, such a big performance in the in the Cotton Bowl. Is that a one time thing or is that, you know, speaks to a, uh, a season he could have in 2023? Yeah, it could be big um, across the offensive line. Uh I guess we'll just go position by position. Left tackle, you think Jared Kingston. Yeah, I'm just going all in on Jared Kingston, the Washington State transfer. Really impressed with, you know, the clips we've seen of him in the, the weight room. I think Cortland Ford's going to battle there, but in the end, I think Jared Kingston is the guy. We'll see what Cortland does after spring. He's, I think he's valuable as a, as a as a big body athletic left tackle. With left tackle experience, Yeah, he could be very key if they're able to, you know, keep him around. I'm not saying he's going to leave. I'm just saying he's got an interesting decision to make after spring camp, but I think that'll be a fun battle. But I think Jared Kingston is the way to go there. I still have Ethan White as that left guard. Yeah, We do not expect him to be here for spring camp. He's going to be a summer enrollee. So Gino Quinones is expected to kind of be the guy uh, in spring, taking okay. those reps, you know, get some, get some experience, get some, get some ones, get some runs with the ones uh, there. Center, pretty easy, you know, for the first time, what feels like 10 years. Don't have a Brett Nealon, Justin Dedich, one, two there. Justin Dedich moving over to right guard to center. That that spot's a little thin. You know, Andrew Milik is probably going to be the backup. Gino will probably take some third team snaps. Uh, Micah Benuelos comes in the summer. I expect him to fill out that depth chart. But I could see them playing around with some guys. Gino, Andrew Milik, uh, even Cooper Lovelace at one point was taking snaps. So they'll do some mixing and matching until Micah comes in the summer. But just need to touch its spot. Uh, the right side gets a little more interesting just because we don't know what Jonah Monheim's going to do. Uh, we expect him to kick into right guard uh, after, you know, basically a really good season at right tackle uh, to open the door for Michael Tarquin. So for right now I have Jonah Monheim at right guard, Michael Tarquin at right tackle. Mason Murphy will compete for that right tackle spot. We'll see Gerard Thinks he can he can kick inside and be a guard as well. So we'll see if there's any playing around with that. But for for I expect it to be Tarquin at right tackle, Monheim at uh, right guard. So that's pretty simple to 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 play with there. And Tarquin is on campus now, so we'll what we'll to see him on in spring. And then kicker, I have Dennis Lynch still as the the number one guy. I think the competition. Doesn't really start till the summer when Tyler Robles, the preferred walk-on they sign, comes. Uh, but I like Dennis to to get pushed a little bit in, in that in that competition. So I think we'll see a little bit better consistency. Uh, but yeah, that we probably won't get a better picture of that until the the summer. Yeah, for sure. Um, good stuff there on the offensive side. I kind of I kind of high on Cortland Ford getting some I feel like he built some momentum there but sure I mean, we'll see sure I'm curious to see what sort of ends up happening there uh let's go to the defensive side of the ball I think you started off with uh the defensive ends yeah I think you got to replace Tuli Tupelotu and I'm going with just the highest ceiling pick there and that's Anthony Lucas yeah. six foot six 275 former five star not a lot of production obviously but just super talented just Got to see what he can do with with all with with a lot more reps than what he took at Texas A and M. So I have him penciled in there. I also have Jack Sullivan as his kind of backup, the Purdue transfer, who I think is going to play a lot. I think he's going to be a guy we're not talking about a lot, but I think he's going to be. You know, he has 
Big Ten experience. He's got production. I think he's going to be a nice little pickup, but I have him kind of in that rotation spot behind Anthony Lucas. So I'm sticking Anthony at that defensive end spot uh, at the nose kind of guard tackle. I, I got them going bigger with Keon Bars, the Arizona defensive tackle addition. I think it just makes more sense to put your big guy in the middle there. You know, Stanley Tauafu is back. I think he'll still play in the rotation, but I just see them upgrading with size there. And that brings us to, you know, that other defensive tackle spot. I have Tyrone Teleni, who is coming back. I think if they can get another big bodied defensive tackle, more of a traditional nose guard, you can put Keon Bars at this defensive tackle spot where I have Teleni right now. But right now I just have the biggest guy in the middle. But if you get another big, you know, six foot uh, three, 300 pounder, six foot two, 320, whatever, you can put him at nose guard and then kick Keon out to defensive tackle. But just what's on the roster right now, I have it Anthony Lucas, Keon Bars in the middle, and then Tyrone Teleni at that other defensive tackle spot, which is kind of where all your kind of undersized guys are. You know, Sam Green is there, um, uh, Dejon Benton is there as well. Okay. So, yeah, I think I have Colin Mobley there, who's not undersized but six foot three 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 hundred yeah you have met yeah you have met the defensive tackle spot there yeah um you want to do let's go through the linebackers we'll do mike um will and uh the rush end spots. yeah very quickly just mike i went with mason cobb i know people are like tackett curtis but this is just for the the first game like the depth chart going to the first game tackett could still emerge and take that spot and maybe force uh force them to move Cobb over to Will or, or what have you, but right now I have Mason Cobb as that Mike linebacker. Tackett Curtis is his backup. I believe he'll get some playing time, a lot of playing time. Will, I have Eric Gentry moving over from Mike Backer. He is having the ankle surgery, so he's not going to be there for spring, and that's okay. Tackett will get a lot more reps. Cobb will probably get some more reps at Will, which he he's on record as saying he's going to to learn. So, But I have Eric Gentry moving out of that Mike back into a will Shane Lee backing him up at that will spot. And then rush in. I went with Jamil Muhammad as that starter. Oh. I think, you know, he's got production. He's his tape shows he can get to the backfield. We'll see what the level of competition that jump is from Georgia state to the PAC 12. But, you know, Romello height, I have as the backup. They have a lot of options there. Obviously you have Jamil, Corey uh, Romello, Foreman. Corey Foreman, Solomon bird. You have a top hundred, recruit coming in and Braylon Shelby six foot five who just was shooting up the ranking so it's going to be really interesting really interesting in the summer but that's going to be a competitive room starting in the spring but I have Jamil Muhammad right now nice and then uh, let's go to the secondary where you got um, yeah secondary with those safety spots I have Kalen Bullock and Max Williams I kind of kept the status quo there but I acknowledge that Zion Branch is going to be the big X factor. He could very easily take that spot alongside Kalen Bullock at that kind of strong safety position. But I actually have Zion Branch as the starting nickel. I just put him closer to the line of scrimmage. You know, six foot one, 200 pounds can run. I thought that makes more sense just to put him there when it comes to tackling at the line of scrimmage and just being able to cover, you know, big tight ends at the line of scrimmage. I went with the bigger kind of almost approaching kind of linebacker but still super athletic i put zion branch there but he could also obviously kick max williams down back to nickel 
uh, if he takes that other safety spot. But that's where I just have it right now. I don't know a lot about that position. I'll, I'll, we'll know more when we get to see him in spring. But at those secondary spots, I have Kalen Bullock, Max Williams, and then Zion Branch. And then cornerbacks, I just went with the highest ceiling combo. So I went with Christian Roland Wallace and Damani Jackson as those two starters. Christian being the most uh, veteran guy in that room, three years of starter. And then Damani, we all know, six foot one, 190. It's 10, 10, 5, 10, 4 speed. So if he can stay healthy on the field, you know, I think they can make a really good combination. I have Sierra Wright and Jacoby Covington as their their kind of backups. So really good room, a lot of talent and experience, or more experience than last season, uh, I should say. But I think it's a, a really good room, and they can run four deep. Yeah, no, good stuff there. And uh, we're curious to see what it kind of looks like what we get to see in the spring and we'll be able to talk to assistant coaches and kind of talk about uh, the different rotations for the different position groups for all of the assistants. So that will be a lot of fun um, to try to get to. So uh, make sure you stay tuned to all of that um, and check out, you know, Chris's pieces over on uscfootball.com. If you're not a subscriber, get over there and subscribe because it's the best deal around. Okay. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and answer some questions back in a minute. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle podcast. Chris Trevino, we kind of did a long one there. I thought it'd be a little shorter today. I always think that. You literally always say that, and then it ends up being never an not. hour and 30. It never is. Uh, well, we this is our favorite part. Three simple words. You've got mail. Woohoo! Yeah, we got a lot of it. We got some, we got a voicemail. Why don't we start with that, Chris? We got a voicemail. We'll start, and then we'll get to some emails and some. If you're in the chat and you want to mark question on uh, anything you have for us, I will try to start and come back to answer it. I've done a few already, but um, that's if you're watching live. But let's go to a voicemail first, Chris. Hey, Ryan. You know, uh, Lincoln Riley doesn't hire special teams coach, right? Uh, I guess everybody has their responsibility out of the coach that he has. Well, one of them that's going to have a much easier job is whoever is uh, in charge of punt returns because of Zachariah Branch. From what I've seen, he is really, really good at everything that he does but punt return. We haven't had a punt returner in years that is as steady. He doesn't fumble the ball 
doesn't have problems with fair catches and, and knowing when to do it or not. This guy, and he's uncanny at tracking the ball and, of course, making people miss and running faster than everybody else. He's going to be a lot of fun. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Thank you for the voicemail, Curtis. Um, he's definitely going to be fun to watch. Just watching him in the offseason workouts, watching him through high school. I watched him in Hawaii at the uh, Polynesian Bowl. He's just like, I mean, I don't know. You don't get a lot of can't-miss prospects, but he just seems like one of them, Chris. Yeah, he's that dude. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, his impact for that wide receiver room. But, yeah, we I don't think we've been hitting on it hard enough about how much he could change the special team's playmaking ability just as a returner, whether that's kick return or punt return, which was, you know, lacking some pop last year. They didn't really, uh, you know, have any really big plays or anything like that. But, yeah, he could absolutely upgrade that room to at least getting a couple of um, a couple of maybe a couple scores this year. We'll, we'll see. I, I hate to throw out, you know, the promise of touchdowns back there as, at, at the return game, but he has that kind of ability. So, if he's not the starting punt returner and on kickoff, I, I'd be shocked. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I think he's going to be a part of that. Um, we have an email from Joan. So we love to hear from Joan. She says, I have this theory regarding why USC was reluctant to play the collective game and went with the Boulevard model initially. Fear. The NCAA sanctions, the unease the administration has with a successful and widely popular football team and maybe a bit of varsity blue scandal thrown in on top. Had the athletic department tiptoeing into the waters of NIL, it's hard to navigate rough waters when the NCAA capsized the program so recently. Thus, I think USC chose to be conservative towards NIL and not rock the boat. The SEC and the ACC were certainly in a better position to capitalize on collectives as the NCAA has always chosen to look the other direction with those conferences now that the NCAA has chosen to let all conferences play in the wild, wild west of NIL. USC is making a paradigm shift. Thoughts? Just another comment. The market for NIL is currently unregulated. I believe, like you, Ryan, the market will correct, possibly overcorrecting with recruits. The reason I believe this is one, Texas A&M's 2021 class debacle with so many leaving and their poor on-field performance, two... Many of these recruits who are unproven on the college football field will not live up to expectations. And uh, three, thus the marketing should be moving. The market should be moving in the direction of current players on rosters, which fits the model better and allowing freshmen to have the incentive of their work hard to uh, garner NIL recognition and money capitalism at its best. Thanks so much from Joan. And I, I think transfers would fall into that too, Joan, where uh, transfers are proven commodities. And if you want to, you know, uh, refill the offensive line coffers. It's great to get some offensive linemen out of high school, but you get a, tra- a guy that started three years somewhere else, you know he can play right away. So, I don't know. Any thoughts on all the NIL stuff, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been, like, hinted and danced around that, you know, the – the well, Lincoln Riley and them are sort of in the spot of – they don't know what the NCAA is going to do in the – because we've, we've mentioned it several times in the wild, wild west of NIL. So obviously there's going to be some sort of change moving forward. Either maybe they say, oh, do whatever you want, or there's going to be harsh cracking down. And they're being conservative because I feel like they think there's going to be cracking down. You're, you're So you don't really want to go all in in one, one method. So I think they're just kind of in a wait and see kind of deal and maybe not 
you know, pushing the envelope, if you will, for, for NIL, just, you know, doing a, a standard, you know, they're changing it now because it wasn't working with, with Boulevard. So they are adapting in, in some sense to a different uh, organization and a more efficient NIL machine yeah. with uh, the Tommy group. So we'll see how that works out. But yeah, I think there is some some wait and see uh, going on just to see like what the NCAA is going to do to regulate or check some of the uh, wild, wild west nature of NIL right now. That's our next question too. But real quick, uh, to me, Joan, I think it's definitely conservative nature and, you know, USC is not pushing the level. I mean, till this day, we, we get emails about if we're, if media are on campus, we shouldn't take pictures of recruits that are on campus because it's an NCAA violation where other schools are doing this and you can talk to them tweeting about it. And yeah, like USC's just had a more conservative view of, you know, there's different ways you can interpret these rules and USC's interpretation is always on the more conservative side. But I would say this is more about control that these collectives can run amok and be out of control. USC tried to create this Boulevard thing that they were controlling. And then like, I think there was an October ruling that was like, you can't really be officially tied. I, I think what USC wanted to do would make sense is you, it, the school should be able to communicate with the collective or whoever the group is to like, here's who we want to you know work with. And the NCAA is saying, no, you can't do that. So it, it, they're opening up things for rogue collectives to go out and offer some quarterback $13 million and then not pay them. And then they go somewhere else. Like there's just, there's crazy stuff going on. But I think a lot of it's just control, and USC would like to control stuff. But this is more of a wild, wild west. It's it's kind of it's not in control, and we've seen teams kind of just jump all in with NIL and pay high school recruits and get great recruiting classes. We've seen Tennessee do it. Uh, Texas A and M had the great recruiting class. They didn't have the results on the field, but you know they still bring in a whole bunch of dudes. Um, yeah, I, I think. I think to me, it's more about the control aspect of it. But USC has always been kind of slow to adapt to change when it comes to major paradigms. This is a huge shift in how college football is run. And even the early, you know, you remember back with the early sign, the first early signing period, USC thought it was not going to be a thing. They were like, oh, there's a few guys will sign and everyone will sign in February. Well, they were left far behind because. Most everyone signed in the early signing period, and USC was just like, oh, things change. Like, yes, things change. And they were slow to adapt to that. And I think just been slow to adapt to a lot of stuff, including NIL. There you go. If that makes sense. Do you agree with that? You remember that that first early signing period class, Chris? Yeah. Not fun. USC was sort of just like, wait, what? Everybody signed already? Um, Like, yeah. Caught flat-footed. Completely caught flat-footed. Uh, John in Oakland has another email. The NCAA just ruled on its first NIL violations case that involved the University of Miami and its women's basketball team. They only got a slap on the wrist. Uh, Don't you think it's very ironic that the chair of the NCAA Committee on Infractions is USC's Assistant Athletic Director Dave Roberts, while the chair, former, I think he means, uh, while the chair of of the Committee on Infractions that tried to give USC the death penalty in the Bush case was the University of Miami Athletic Director Paul D. Um, wait, is Dave Roberts still a, an assistant athletic director at USC? I thought he had moved on to the NCAA or something. I do not know the answer. I don't remember that. Um, but yeah, I can look it up. I don't know about that with the Paul D thing. Um, 
he's passed away recently. I know people kind of still get on that, but I I didn't get a whole lot of information about what their what the women's basketball team thing was for Miami, but their super booster I think was involved in paying them. But yeah, I do feel it's stupid to go after like a women's basketball player when all this stuff is happening on the football side and you're like, Oh, let's go after a women's basketball player or players. It's like twins, I think, right? Yeah. Did you know what I don't know much about that case, but I just looked briefly at it. Um Yeah, there was something just like get something about they were the twins were put in touch of uh was it John Ruiz? Is that yeah, the, I think John Ruiz. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what they the guy who runs their collective, that's the violation. So yeah, slap on the wrist. So interesting. I mean we'll, we'll probably talk about it more on composite two star recruits. Let Gerard do a whole two hours on it. Yeah, as, as a, he'll he'll have a conspiracy or something. He'll have a conspiracy theory. I love it because that's what Gerard does. Um, I don't. I think he is still with USC. Is Dave Roberts still with USC? I haven't seen him around. I mean, per his LinkedIn, he's still there. He is okay, so but, he's still there. But I don't know if that's uh, still the. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that's why he's not going after the University of Miami. I mean, because of. Paul D. Dave Roberts was brought in with Pat Hayden when they really only had like one compliance person and they created like a whole compliance, you know, now they have a whole department of it. And Dave Roberts was like the first guy, if I remember correctly, to kind of run that when USC was finishing or going through their sanctions and stuff. So, uh, but I guess maybe he's still there. His son used to work in the athletic department too. I, uh, I think we worked in uh, sports information for Tim Tessalone back in the day and i don't know where he is now but i had talked to him too howie says uh in the youtube chat um since the big 10 wants to put its best pro- uh, product forward every year does usc have to play ohio state and michigan every year no i would say not both but okay. i would say one of them that was my at thought. least one of them has to be one of them yeah I, that's my if you're not playing one of those schools then i don't think you're doing it right but um you know unless you think differently chris but no. yeah I feel like that's what you kind of need to do. And then we have one from Larry who says, what's your thoughts on the NCAA president Mark Emirates last day today? Former, it's funny, former uscfootball.com reporter, Brian Fisher, I guess had an interview with, with Mark Emirates today. I didn't get to see it, but I think he, I forget who he's working for now, but he, I think he interviewed Emirates on his last day. We forgot to get him a cake or something. Yeah. He's, he's, it's terrible as job. What would you put on that that cake? Um, good riddance. I I would I don't want to have any positive words on there like mm. good. So I would try to avoid that term specifically. But it would just it might be like a poop emoji, or mm. it just might be um, disgrace. You stink at your job. Like the the world is better. College athletics is better now that you are not there anymore. Um, something like that. So. Damn. Yeah. What would you put on there? Um, me dabbing. <laughs> Love it. Dab away. Um, that, we should do a, should that be our like sign out? No. Like, or like our thumbnail? Please no. Dabbing. I usually get you eating something or yeah. whatever. The last couple have been okay. Yeah. You went on a run of where you just picked the worst possible um screen grabs of me really i yeah. try to get them so they're good actually i would be okay with the dabbing one if you want to you want to like, so wait how do i do it like this? yeah just just like 
right. Yeah. Perfect. Um, Please do that. Okay. We can we can dab it up or whatever. How many people are watching? How we many ha- degenerates are watching? Uh, 126, I think. Degenerates. Pretty good. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching live on YouTube. And if you watch the replay on our YouTube channel, that is awesome, too. And, of course, if you listen on any of the Peristyle Podcast channels, that's amazing as well. We really appreciate uh, all of the viewership, leadership, uh, readership, any kind of ships you got. We love it. Um, and we do love uh, doing the show. And it's a lot of fun. Should be a little more interesting the coming weeks because we will actually have some football to talk about. Some USC spring football, which, you know, we want to see guys out there running around in their uniforms, eventually in pads. We won't be able to see pads until after spring break. So starting March 21st, that practice, that Tuesday practice, uh, probably be a pads one. We'll be able to kind of see the guys, what they look like and, and all of that. So should be a lot of fun. Any, any final words, Chris? I got nothing really. Oh, I have dude, I guess I get, tunnel vision. will be back soon. Yeah. We got to do tunnel vision again. Maybe, uh, maybe this weekend. I don't know. Uh, Sandro says hello from Brazil. Hi. Whoa. That's awesome. I've, I've not been to South America yet. Sandro, I need to go. Um, I'd love to see like Argentina, Brazil. My girlfriend loves Peru. Brazilian cheese bread. Oh, okay. got that from Trader Joe's Trader oh. Joe's plug there at the end. Very nice. I love it. Uh, but yeah, thanks for everyone for listening. And if you're listening or watching internationally, that is awesome as well. Uh, for Chris Trevino, I am Ryan Abraham. We will try to bring Tunnel Vision back. I know we should be doing that more. We'll we'll do that show. Jack Smith, I know he's itching to get back in the seat and uh, produce our show for us and everything. Shotgun will be coming out here uh, next week. He'll be at the first practice. And Shotgun and I will both be in Las Vegas for the Pac-12 basketball tournament. Yes, I'll be covering some more. Uh, basketball. If it's in Vegas, Ryan will be there. Yeah, I've got people get mad at me when I go to games. Like they're like, "Oh, they lose when you go." I mean, they beat Auburn this year when I was there, so that was good. I might not go to the Arizona game Thursday night. That's a big one. I know people might just get mad at me, so I think I'll just stay home. Uh, <laughs> Paint but, your walls. Yeah, hopefully my walls will be painted by then. For Chris Trevino, I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Really appreciate you turning in, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.